How's it going, everyone? Welcome in and welcome back to another episode of On Air with Aaron. So this is my first new episode of my bi-weekly schedule. Um, I have everything set up. My, my brand new PC is in. It's running amazing. I have everything set up. I shut down my old laptop and put it in my closet for, for some safe resting. Uh, the thing has uh, been through hell and back. Uh, it was definitely a great laptop, but now I have a PC. It's way more powerful, way better. So I'm excited to be doing some more things with streaming. Streams have been running great over at my YouTube channel at Argon Games. Go check it out. And it's, it's overall been working out almost perfectly i just i need to upgrade to 16 gigabytes of ram because i got the eight because i didn't think i'd be gaming but then i decided i wanted to download warzone and i need at least i think 12 gigabytes of ram so i'm going to be upgrading that sometime soon uh, regardless i also passed 10,000 followers on tiktok which is incredible i just had another one of my videos pass 100,000 views and i'm really happy about that so i will be doing the 100,000 follower sorry Sorry, not a hundred thousand follower, ten thousand follower stream. I will be doing that sometime soon. I have to figure out a date. Um, it might be next weekend. It might be the weekend after that. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, but keep keep your ears open for that because I'll be announcing that sometime soon. Speaking of things coming up soon, we have E3 coming up in less than a week. So I'm really excited for that. I'm not going to be talking about it this episode just because I talked about it last episode with things that I want to see or things that we might see at E3 and because E3 is only a couple days away and I will be breaking my own schedule promise. I know, I know, uh, because I will be doing an episode next week talking about E3 and what we saw um, and pretty much what that means and how it'll affect going forward with uh, with gaming. I'm really excited, so be looking forward to that episode as well. But things have been going pretty good for for me. I'm going to try to make this episode a little bit shorter, just talking about some pieces of news that I found interesting this week. So I hope you guys are ready to listen to that. So without further ado, let's get into the news this week for gaming. So uh, first off, this isn't really news. This is more just kind of a discussion about a new game that, that had a trailer released a couple days ago at the time of this recording called Powell World. If you've seen the trailer, then you know exactly where I'm going to be going with this. But if you have not, Powell World started off its trailer sort of showing that it was going to be somewhat of a quote-unquote Pokemon clone. I don't want to say 100% just because I hate saying that games are clones unless it's Unless it's that new game that's coming out. I don't remember what it's called, but it's like the complete Genshin clone that literally stole voice lines from characters and put it in the game. That's a clone. But I don't think this game, Pal World, is a Pokemon clone. But it shows a lot of similar aesthetics to Pokemon, which is where a lot of the comparisons came. It looked like sort of an open world-ish game where you have these animalistic companions that look more mythical than actual you know bears or pigs or something um a little bit of a spin on it and it showed these characters you know building houses uh going and using their electric powers to charge these power lines and stuff like that it looked pretty basic and then it uh it, it had guns guns i guess there was just you were the character was running around with guns shooting these people 
so it, it kind of took a lot of people by surprise. I saw it circulating around on Twitter and Reddit, and most people were kind of on the same boat of, what what is this game? Some people were making the jokes saying, oh my gosh, it's Pokemon Gun. They're finally releasing it. Um, but yeah, it, it looks very interesting. So as I had said, this game looks like a Pokemon like game with exploration and focus on animalistic companions with the twist of guns. So the trailer is completely weird. I highly suggest you go and watch it if you haven't already, just because it's a, uh, it's, it's pretty entertaining um, though. I did kind of spoil it. So it's probably going to be a little bit less entertaining, but still when they reveal the guns, it's kind of like, huh? <laughs> it's, it, it's kind of weird. Um, regardless, it's essentially an adventure game that is mostly solo but does support co-op, and it focuses on survival, crafting, and hunting enemies. So imagine sort of Pokemon meets Minecraft with guns. That's sort of the vibe it gives off. So the main enemies of this game are poachers. So they're out to get your pals. That's what they call the, uh, the, the companion animals. Um, poachers are out to get your pals, so you have to protect your pals and then keep them safe. Though it's kind of interesting because some of the pals look like they can be used as offensive and or defensive sort of tools, I suppose you could say. There was a scene in the trailer where the character lifted up a sheep and just held it against a bunch of bullets and it just absorbed them. It was it was like a it was like a human shield that didn't actually get shot. It was bizarre. Um but you can run factories with these pals. You can uh, construct simple projects. You can construct more complex projects. You can breed, explore dungeons, and a whole lot more. It really does look interesting, but it's not going to be released until 2022, which is a little over six months away, and there's not really a specified date, which really got me surprised because I said, oh, 2022, that game's not coming out forever. Then I realized, wait a minute. That's only a little over six months away until we're in 2022. And that just kind of blew my mind, made me feel old. But regardless, I think this game does look rather fun. Will I pick it up at launch or after that? I don't know. Just because it looks like one of those games where I would have more fun if I was playing with someone. And I don't know if anyone else would want to pick that game up and play. Um, maybe if, if it's not a $60 full price game, maybe if it's $30 or somewhere around there, I might pick it up, give it a try and, and see how it plays. Cause it does look fun. I do like the, the sort of story idea where you have these pals that you're raising, but then there are these encounters with the poachers that are trying to you know, take your pals. And I mean, I guess that's kind of similar to what it is in Pokemon, at least with the anime with team rocket on the constant quest to capturing Ash's Pikachu. It sounds sort of similar to that. And I think that's a lot of fun. It definitely adds to the, um, the gameplay and overall enemy building. I'm thinking more of an open world ish game. And I don't know if this game is, but it does seem that it's going to be focused more on adventuring, which I could absolutely see it being sort of a random triggered event where if you're traveling towards a town, let's say you travel for X amount of minutes or you pass X destination, then you're going to run into these poachers and you have to fight them off or else they could take your pal, do something, and then you have to go and get them back. 
I don't know, obviously, how it's going to function. I haven't researched too much about this game. I've looked up a couple things, and it still looks fun. The Steam description that you can find uh, through Steam is fairly light, just because it's only just been announced. And then, of course, the trailer is what got people got people talking about it. Um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. I will have to say, I can't wait to see the people, the big streamers and uh, YouTubers making videos about that, talking about it. Because I hope it's not a disappointment. I hope it's not one of those games where it's kind of hyped up as, "Wow, this is going to be a fun, interesting, cool game," and then it amounts to pretty much nothing. I, w- I would hate for that to happen. Sort of like that. What was the game called? Like. Ballan Wonderland, Ballan Wonderland, whatever that game was called, where it's just like a glorified mobile game or something. I hope I hope it's not like that because it, it it does look like it'll have some pretty funny content for it. But yeah, so if you've been playing Pokemon for your whole life and you've been hoping for a gun mod in an official game, then just go ahead and play Pal World because I think that's the closest you're gonna get to Pokemon Gun. So that's it for PAL World. Now let's transition into Nintendo with them winning a lawsuit over ROM Universe. So ROM Universe wasn't something that I actually knew about until I read this article. So apparently the the bare bones explanation for this, ROM Universe is a website, or was a website really, um, where they had thousands of nintendo titles older ones that weren't really available anymore for purchase or for play unless you of course had your own copy of the game Uh, but it was a website that had a bunch of emulations of different nintendo titles and i don't think that it was specifically nintendo i'm pretty sure they had other games as well um but it is emulation and it is taking the ip and putting it on a platform now Hundreds, thousands, even millions of emulations happen all the time. And that's fairly normal. A lot of the times they're personalized, like someone emulates their own game onto the PC uh, and they can play it from there. And then sometimes it's a more widespread sort of phenomena, like how ROM Universe was. And that's exactly what the lawsuit was for. So the suit was filed in 2019, but it just came to a decision where the judge chose to have Nintendo compensated $2.1 million as opposed to the $15 million they initially were asking for. So the reason why they were filing for the lawsuits is in part, of course, due to the fact that they were allowing people to get these games and play them. And although the games themselves were free to download, in order to actually download a game through ROM Universe, you had to have a subscription. And supposedly the subscription was $30 a month to play any emulated game on the site, meaning that they were making money off of Nintendo's IPs and there was no formal contract between the two. And, I mean, of course, it's not like Nintendo would have actually cooperated with a company that was doing that, but... The fact that they absolutely were in no cahoots whatsoever just meant that Nintendo was going to take this into full court effect. So this subscription service was really what prompted Nintendo to uh, to file this suit. But $15 million? Oh my gosh. And it seems that 
the games that were emulated weren't even the newer games. It's not as if people were going on to ROM Universe and saying, well, I don't want to pay $60 for Mario Odyssey, so I'm just going to go on here. There probably is some site where you could do that, but I don't think ROM Universe was that site. I think it was mostly for older Nintendo games, especially GameCube games, that you just can't play anymore. Whether it's because you don't have the GameCube, whether you don't have the game, or the fact that if you try and find the game online, it's $175 for some odd reason. So, this brings up an interesting point of discussion. Because we've talked countless times on this channel, and you've probably seen numerous posts on YouTube, Twitter, wherever, about Nintendo and their less-than-ideal business practices. So I thought it would be fun to talk about this one, because it's not too dissimilar from what was going on with uh, Project Slippy and all of that with the Smash community. Uh, if, if you don't if you don't know about that, I, I think I made an episode talking about that. I know I made a YouTube video talking about it, and you could find it everywhere else. People probably could explain it better than I. But there is this thing on Smash Melee, which of course is a GameCube game, where there's an emulation on the PC... And someone made another sort of emulation where you could play pretty much lagless online play that was already better than Ultimates Online. And they offered it as a free download option. You didn't have to pay money for uh, Project Slippy. You didn't have to pay money for it. Though they did have a link where you could go and donate to them, which I don't think that falls under the same law of making money from it. Because it is just donation. So I don't think it's it's technically you're paying for a service. It's just if you want to. So Nintendo tried to take action against them, of course, and were banning Slippy tournaments from existing. So this, of course, riled a lot of people up and started having a lot more people question Nintendo's decisions. So, of course, during this ROM universe discussion, Nintendo is 100% in the right. You can't really argue that. Now, they're in the legal right. Yes, that much is true. The, uh, the moral and consumer-friendly end of sides? I, d I don't think so. There's a quote by Gabe Newell, of course, everyone would know him as Gabin or Gabin, however that's actually, the meme's actually pronounced. Regardless, there's a quote by him that reads, The easiest way to stop piracy is not by putting anti-piracy technology to work. It's by giving those people a service that's better than what they're receiving from the pirates. And I think that quote rings true in this situation because why are people emulating this game? Because you can't get it for a reasonable price. I mean, who in their right mind, as much as I love the Smash Brothers series and as much as Melee is a classic and Melee is a game that if you want to get hardcore into competitive Smash, then yeah, Melee is probably the route to go. No one in their right mind is going to want to spend $200 on a used copy of Melee. No one. I mean, seriously. Maybe, maybe if you're a collector and you're looking for a mint condition game, then okay, yeah, maybe that's that's reasonable. But if you're someone that just wants to play Melee, or you're someone who was born after Melee came out and you wanted to play the game, you're SOL. There's no way you can legitimately do it. Now, of course, there is with uh, the Dolphin emulation with 20XX, that you can play it on your PC, but Nintendo doesn't like that. Yet, they don't offer any way for you to play Melee unless you know someone that has it or you yourself has it. I can't say that this is the the same issue that other game companies 
um, face, because I'm pretty sure if you went to go try to find a brand new copy of Halo 1 or something like that, then, yeah, you'd probably run into a similar issue. But the thing is, there are a lot of other options where you could go. You could buy the game digitally on the, uh, on like the, on the Play Store for Xbox. I'm pretty sure you could. Um, there's backwards compatibility. Uh, even PlayStation has similar things to that. And they run constant specials on things, the constant specials on older games. Nintendo, the only thing they have is their NES and SNES categories that have usually very low-end, non-popular games. On the NES version, I believe they do have the original Legend of Zelda. They do have Super Mario. Um, but, I mean, those are damn near arcade games at this day and age. Let, let's be real. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not like it's any hard for them to do that but that's just the issue they do have the technology and the power to put these ips on the switch whether it be for digital downloads for uh for physical disc purchase they do have that power but they don't they have this really weird mentality of like oh yeah we love our older games in fact we love our older games so much that we don't want anyone to play them but we want nostalgia to play a huge part into you purchasing our games. It's super prevalent in Pokemon. Uh, at least it's it's starting to break off of that now. But I mean, oh my gosh, the amount of time Charizard. I mean, come on, like there was no real reason for Charizard to exist within Pokemon Sword and Shield. It just doesn't make sense. Now. It makes sense for older Pokemon too. Yeah, that, that, that's that, that's absolutely correct because the Pokemon world exists at the same time. That's that's kind of the, the canon that we've been running with. But the problem is, why Charizard? Why Gen One Pokemon's? Why don't you bring in? Why don't you bring in Luxray? Why don't you bring in Krabby? Why don't you bring in these other Pokemon? It's because they don't bank off of the success as much as Charizard, the face of Generation One, does, and that's the whole thing that really irritates people is they want you to bank they want to bank off of that success that will net them from showing hey we have charizard as opposed to bringing in the older ones because they're trying to nostalgia bait so it's kind of a twisted mentality where nintendo knows that their old ips will generate them a lot of revenue if they bring them into a new game however they don't want anyone to basically experience these new emotions or these old emotions really from these games because they just have this weird mentality of no one playing older games i mean there were there i'm pretty sure i remember reading something when they were talking about smash ultimate it's basically like wh wh why would you play the old game when we have smash ultimate we have all these new mechanics these new characters and whatnot why would you play the older games just 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 buy the new one and it's ridiculous I don't understand why they do it. I mean, I do from a money standpoint, but like personally, I think that a smarter business strategy would be implementing these old games onto your store because I mean, think about it. Think, think about it this way. It's like I was born in 1999, meaning that I grew up on Melee, Mario Kart, Double Dash. Uh, even though I didn't play them, I grew up on uh, a lot of the really popular Zelda games, Skyward Sword, um, Twilight Princess, a lot of these ones were 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 prevalent at the time when I existed and was competent enough to play games. 
But that's just the problem. I'm going to get old at some point. You know, I'm 22 years old. Well, I'm 21 years old. I'm going to turn 22 soon. And I'm 21 years old. My nostalgia is going to break off at some point. So I don't really understand why they would try to come out with all of these new games that bank off of nostalgia when they don't let anyone experience those games that aren't, you know, above the age of 30. I don't, I just don't understand it personally. And it really gets annoying. So circling back to ROM universe and this, this topic, it's one of those things where Nintendo is in the legal right, but they should really consider what it is they're doing because it really does in the long run hurt them. In my opinion, I remember back, it was a little bit after smash ultimate came out and I was playing, I had my own money. I was looking around. I said, you know what? I think it'd be really fun to play Ike's game from smash. Uh, Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn as well. I said that that'd be a lot of fun to, to try and go and play it, which those games at the time they came out, probably like 30, 40 bucks, somewhere around there. If you try to find Path of Radiance, the GameCube game right now, it's like $130 on Amazon, eBay, wherever you can find it. Even GameStop. It's an insane amount of money. Now, I'm not saying the game's bad or anything, but heck, I love I love a lot of other games. You know, I, I love I love Life is Strange. I love Smash Ultimate. I love all of these games. Would I pay a hundred dollars for them? Heck no. I never even buy like special editions or founders editions or whatever of of, of games because I don't really ever think it's worth it. Now, if they have digital art books and stuff like that, yeah, that that stuff's cool. But I mean, the game itself being a hundred and twenty dollars, no. That it, it, there is no game on planet Earth that is worth a hundred and twenty dollars. There, 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 there just isn't. And that's kind of the thing that frustrates me is unless I want to emulate and go against what Nintendo says, there is no legitimate way for me to enjoy Fire Emblem, Path of Radiance, Radiant Dawn, any of these other games, except paying $120 or something like that. And that's ridiculous. No one's going to want to do that. And I think one of the reasons why they're doing this primarily is for the remastered things or for just porting it over like what they did with, uh, what is it, Fire Emblem, the Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light or whatever it was called. The first Fire Emblem game. They brought it over. It was available for like three months. It's just what, what kind of business model is that? Hey, this old game that you guys love, instead of bringing it onto the platform where we already have a bunch of other old time games, we're going to release this, but you can only buy it for three months and then it's gone forever. What kind of business model is that? But in a way, I think that's kind of the epitome of what Nintendo is really. I, I think that's kind of their, their design philosophy in a nutshell. It's kind of, Hey, we have this really cool game. You guys want it? You guys want it? Well, it's only going to be available for a limited time. If you want to play it afterwards, eh, too bad. Um, so this lawsuit sort of just uh, brings it all to a head. So, of course, as I had said, Nintendo won this lawsuit. So what could this mean for the future? Well, if Nintendo winning this lawsuit sort of gets to them and thinks, hmm, maybe we should take this on for other people setting the precedence, then it could be likely that they take a class action lawsuit against pretty much every other emulation company, which could be big. Because, of course, we have 20XX, we have Project Slippy that are all emulations and such of these 
Nintendo IPs, specifically Smash for what I was talking about. But still, there's a bunch of the other ones that exist. So whether or not the sites get shut down is a completely different point of contention. But if Nintendo is going to sue these ones, especially for something that focuses on one game, such as Slippy or 20XX, they're going to be screwed. You know, there's going to be almost no way that Melee will survive. Because, I mean, Slippy was really only a big thing because of quarantine. It's still going to be used after offline tournaments come back. That that much is true for streams and, uh, and online battles or whatnot. But, I mean, the big push was because there were no offline majors happening, so they needed a way to play online. So... I think if, if Nintendo decides to, to take this fully on, if something big happens in the Smash community and Nendo, Nintendo uh, catches wind of this, it could very well bring about the end of Melee. Now, I don't know the legitimacy of how how they could actually do this uh, with like the legal terminology or whatnot, but to my, to my knowledge, it is an emulation, and I know I have 20XX, I have Melee on my computer, and I didn't pay for the game. It's not like I emulated my copy of Melee onto the PC. I downloaded it from the internet. So it's entirely possible that they could uh, they could take some action against this. But obviously, I'm hoping they don't, because that would uh, that would really screw things over and would would possibly put a real dagger in the uh, in just overall the Nintendo fan base and the Smash community especially. Uh, so, so that's going to be all for the Nintendo lawsuit. This is a this is definitely an infuriating one because, as I said, yeah, Nintendo's one hundred percent in their right to do this, but uh, it's kind of irritating. It's it's a really frustrating one, especially as a Nintendo fan, someone that's going to be streaming the Nintendo Direct once they release it. It always seems that they do some of these always these questionable things and non-consumer friendly things that Nintendo does it always seems they do them and then like a couple weeks later they have some fan friendly thing they release like hey here's a Nintendo Direct or hey here's a new Smash Fighter but i'm just hoping that it doesn't it doesn't do more and uh and harm fans more in the future so now let's move on to an interesting point of discussion that i kind of uh i'm kind of a little confused on <laughs> Netflix could be creating their own games in the future. Yeah, I know. I probably probably have the same reaction that I first did if you're hearing this. Um, but anyway, I, I found this article on Polygon and it's a rumor circulating around the internet as uh, Netflix has reportedly been searching for an executive to head up an expansion into video games. Yeah, you read that right. Netflix expanding into video games. It seemed that for a while, every single company was coming out with their own streaming service. Like after the big boom of streaming services existed, you know, you had everyone doing their own sort of service. I mean, Paramount doing one, Disney was doing one, uh, HBO started one. Like a bunch of these places are just creating their own streaming services because that is the way. It's going to be pushing in the future. Um, so Netflix breaking into gaming as a streaming service. Hmm. Interesting. 
this isn't necessarily the first involvement Netflix has had with a game before, because if you remember that, what was it called? Like Black Mirror, Bandersnatch or something like that was basically an interactive game show that existed on Netflix. And then they also worked in some regards alongside of that Stranger Things season three game that came out, uh, sort of like that eight bit or 16 bit game that came out. Because uh, Stranger Things, of course, is a Netflix original series. Um, so they obviously were working alongside of that. But you couldn't actually play the game through Netflix. It's not like your Netflix account would allow you to play Stranger Things 3. Or else that would have been advertised to hell and everyone would have seen that. But, so, this is a big shift. Since Netflix has... It, has of course included a series on their platform related to gaming, but never before created their own games or a streaming platform. So of course there's a lot of things on there. There's actually a Dota series that's on Netflix that I passed by and I said, wait, hold on a second. Is this Dota the game? Um, and then of course Castlevania and there's a bunch of others of course that are, uh, that are on Netflix that are related adaptations, things from video games. Um, even board games, you could probably find some. Um, but regardless, it, it seems highly likely that this will be more of a subscription-based game platform where uh, pre-existing games will be put on there and will have a few exclusives that are made specifically for Netflix. So think more along the lines of Stadia, where Stadia is kind of just a platform that exists and they're bringing games onto that platform to, of course, entice people to uh, to join the the service and spend their money so this is really bizarre in my opinion um because of course we're gonna have to see how much netflix will actually take from developers in order to make it a full-fledged uh platform and how we can make a a full informed decision on it because honestly i'm not 100 percent opposed to a streaming service possessing uh you know possessing like games that you can you can purchase or games that you can play on there that's not what i'm opposed to i'm more sort of questioning how they're going to treat game developers because that's of course one of the big things that was uh you know being being fought with the uh the epic games versus apple and google lawsuit that i was talking about is developer these sort of app stores if you will uh taking way too much money than they deserve um, with, uh, with games that they have no influence on whatsoever. And of course, looking out mostly for the smaller developers, the indie developers who put their games, they put a lot of time and effort into their product. And of course, if their game has 20 million sales in the first day, then yeah, they're going to be good with money, but they should still be able to make a much higher portion of their profit because they're the ones who actually made the game. It's not fair for people like Apple to be taking you know, 30% or whatever it was when they don't do anything except have the game on the, the App Store. Like, that's that's pathetic. So if Netflix decides they want to allow a, a higher pay cut to go towards game developers, then honestly, I'm not opposed to it. We're going to, of course, have to see what Netflix is going to do because the idea of subscription-based services with games is still kind of a new thing with the Game Pass and PS Now. 
all these subscription-based services that allow you to play certain games for seemingly free, um, but of course there being the catch of you're not paying $60 for a game, you're paying $15 a month, and how much of that goes towards the game. And that's the same with Netflix. I think Netflix's highest um, like subscription thing, I think it's probably like $15 a month, somewhere around there. I don't really know. Um, but how much of that is actually going to be going towards the games? Unless it's going to be a completely different platform like Netflix Gaming or something, which I don't think that would really be that successful, to be honest. So I think their big push is going to be keeping it on uh, the, the base Netflix subscription. Because one of the reasons why this is being brought about is because Netflix subscriptions have been dwindling in the past and they haven't really been showing any signs of rising or, or getting up any any higher to what they were so they're trying to make some big shifts mostly the subscription numbers have been going down because you know stranger things i believe got delayed um the witcher got delayed a bunch of these series that were really really going to be making them a lot of money were being delayed so people were either canceling their subscription services or delaying them until further notice so I think them doing this is, I don't want to say a desperate attempt, but it's definitely an attempt to entice people to come in saying, Hey, remember us? We're the stranger things people. Uh, you want, you, you want to play, you want to play far cry? <laughs> hey, here's an option. Go, go play a game on your TV while you wait for your series to come out. So I don't know really. Um, it just seems, it just seems rather interesting that they're doing this. My prediction is uh, if this ends up being fully true, like this isn't just a highly speculated rumor, if this ends up being true, then I think we're going to hear of a couple huge game names that are going to be released on this platform to really entice people to play them. Um, can I say what those are? No, because I don't know what games belong to what streaming services, to be completely honest, um, unless they strike some deal with, uh, you know, Microsoft or Sony. But here's also the interesting part. Netflix is both available on Xbox and PlayStation. I have it downloaded on both in my house. Um, what if they have PlayStation-exclusive games and they just, like, reach out and they say, hey, yeah, uh, we'll put this on Netflix. Then you could hypothetically play it through PlayStation, or you could hypothetically play a PlayStation-exclusive through an Xbox console interesting very very interesting who knows maybe maybe they'll have a console lock like you can only play playstation exclusives on netflix through a playstation i think that'd be dumb but um so with that i'm pretty sure they're not going to do any big console exclusives because I, I feel that they're seeing through that loophole and they'll probably include games that are included on every platform or at least aren't necessarily exclusive to a platform but are available for example, um, Persona 5, um, that game, as of now, is a PlayStation exclusive. At least I think maybe you can get it on PC. I'm honestly not too sure. Um, but I, I was reading an article saying that that game will be coming to Xbox and uh, and PlayStation. So there is definitely more options um, for these games to be on multiple platforms. So maybe a game like Persona 5 could be possibly be a netflix game which sounds so weird to say because there is a persona 5 animated series i don't believe it's available on netflix though so who knows maybe they'll strike a deal and uh and, and bring persona 5 onto the uh, onto the netflix service 
So yeah, this is a this is a very fun topic. Netflix creating their own games and releasing games on their own platform. I think this whole idea of game streaming platforms that are specific for game streaming I think is going to be more prevalent as we progress and especially if this Netflix uh, idea rumor business proposal thing uh, rings true then I, I definitely think that we're gonna see a lot of these companies coming out with um, you know sort of games on their platform and honestly, I, it might be okay. It might be cool because Paramount Plus is coming out with the Avatar Studios and doing a lot of Avatar The Last Airbender content from what I remember reading. So who knows? Maybe there's going to be a Paramount Plus exclusive Avatar The Last Airbender open world MMORPG. Who knows? Who knows the possibilities? Um, th that could be something that is uh, that is very possible in our future, especially with the rising popularity of video games and the commercialization and really status that video games now hold in the le le legitimate critical review. So I think it's definitely a very lucrative business that uh, some companies would definitely cling on to. So definitely be on the lookout because I think there's going to be a lot bigger push for game streaming uh, and subscription-based services and such. So definitely be on the lookout. We are in the subscription renaissance. So we will be uh, we will be seeing plenty plenty more deals struck in the coming years. With that being said, that is going to conclude this episode of On Air with Aaron. Just a couple pieces of news that I wanted to talk about that I felt were really important and entertaining to discuss. Um, of course, the Nintendo one still is kind of under my skin because Nintendo just does things that just make me irritated nine times out of ten. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to forget this exists, but I will definitely be, uh, I will definitely be the Nintendrone or the Nintendo sheep, whatever the Twitter buzzword is nowadays for Nintendo fans. Once E3 comes around, hopefully if they announce a good character for smash or announce something, uh, really good. I, I still love the products for Nintendo, but man, they are so questionable as a company. Um, but regardless, That'll end this episode. Thank you all for stopping by. And be sure to go and check out my YouTube channel at Argon Games for my live E3 reaction. Be hanging out there with chat. I'm obviously not going to be playing anything, so I'll just be sitting back and enjoying the show. And I hope you guys will be there too to share it with me. I'd love to see you all there. All right, that'll be all for the episode. Thank you for stopping by, and have a great rest of your day.